Welcome to Light on the Road Home, a show about divine love, divine wisdom, and our soul's journey here on Earth. And now, our hosts, Phyllis Levitt and Deborah Brown. Well, hello, hello, and this is Deborah Brown, and I'm so happy to be here with my wonderful friend, Phyllis Levitt. How are you today, Phyllis? I'm good. Thank you so much. Oh, this is so much fun. Now, last time we talked about duality, the great masculine-feminine divide, and we spent 45 minutes unpacking that and still have so much more to say about it, and it's it's just that kind of subject, isn't it? So it is. what, what do you want to um, – do you want to go back a little bit over what we covered a little bit last time and, and then set the stage for today? I think that'd be great. Yeah, just a little bit. I wanted to start by saying that we've been talking about the importance of understanding that our ego consciousness operates on the basis of duality, among other things, and how important that is to understand and work with in our present world culture today, that um, duality is not sort of like just an interesting spiritual concept or um, an idea, but it really is critical, actually, to our continued survival as a human race. And that's one of the big messages I got from a divine source that began speaking to me back in the mid-90s. So I wanted to pick up um, where we left off by reiterating that one of the reasons why we're focusing particularly on the duality of masculine and feminine, um, and there are many dualities like good and evil, have and have not, war and peace, love and hate. There are many dualities, and they're all important. But the reason why we're focusing so much on the duality of masculine and feminine is because um, as these dualities become more extreme, the duality of masculine and feminine has evolved into extreme domination and submission. And in the world we live in today, Domination is armed with weapons and technologies that can potentially mean the end of life for all of us. And so it's a critical issue to address on so many levels. Um, So I thought I would start by um, just reading the last two short quotes that I ended with last time and go on from there. And as always, Deborah, please jump in whenever you're moved to ask a question or make a comment, okay? Uh Uh-huh, absolutely. Okay, great. So I ended by saying, and this is a quote from this divine source, the main challenge which manifests in every issue the human race is dealing with is to find a harmonious union of the masculine and feminine, of assertion and receptivity, of active force and generative receiving, power and vulnerability. This perfect balance is illustrated in the act of procreation. The sperm penetrates the egg and the egg receives it. Together and only together, they create new life. This is the principle of life for humans and for so many life forms on your planet. Masculine and feminine have to come together in some form to create and perpetuate new life. And then 
they went on to say, and I didn't say this last time, but this is sort of where I want to pick it up. Spiritually, they say, the union of masculine and feminine energies is a key to the birth of soul consciousness. The ultimate expression of the union of masculine and feminine energies can be described as receiving divine love and transmitting divine love as a state of being, as one vibration. And I'll have a lot more to say about that later. But if we were... Go ahead, do you want to say something? Well, I just like the yeah. idea of one one vibration. I think that's a very nice uh, image or word choice. And Yeah, I think that's you know, a way of describing the union of masculine and feminine, as one mm-hmm. vibration. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say... There are so many um, things in the world that are not operating as one vibration. And I think that's why we have so many things to point to that are out of whack. But I don't want to get you off track of what you were going to say, but that was just... No, I think we're going to come back to that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. (laughs) So right now I would say that um, for those of us whose goal is to return to oneness, and I hope it's more and more people... Um, this great divide has to be healed because in God, in the divine, there is no duality. All that has been separate in ego consciousness comes back together. So they're saying that the union of masculine and feminine is not only crucial for procreation, it's the principle for our psychological development and spiritual evolution. And again, they're saying that at this point in human history, we can't survive without literally healing this split. And this is another quote. Conscious participation in the reunion of masculine and feminine energies is the wisdom that is trying so hard to push through into consciousness all over the world today. You can see how much resistance there is to accepting this at the present time. And here's where we could segue for a little while into what's going on in the world. I think we can all see this divide um, playing out in our own United States politics, extreme aggression, and maybe I want to say the expression, the overt expression of extreme aggression, hatred, intolerance, disregard for and debasing of women and minorities seem to be calling us to greater awareness for the need for receptivity, inclusiveness, cooperation, and love. And I, I want to say personally, I'm actually very heartened to see um, all over the news that there are so many people responding to this with promoting cooperation and promoting us coming back together and being inclusive and tolerant and loving with one another. So that's the upside. And I think that's where this call is being felt among many people, certainly not all. And you probably want to jump in here, Deborah. I do. And I was going to say that it doesn't seem that there are also people who are feeling despair about it and scared and um, hopeless and powerless um, because the divide is, is, for some of us, some people just seems like an, an, an unhealable split. 
In other words, it's just I, so bad. I, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. And so yeah. ridiculous in some ways. Whichever side of the discussion or argument you're on doesn't matter. And what's really maybe the flip side of that, I will say, is that in the end, we do realize that we are neighbors and care for one another. For example, if if a natural disaster happens or some kind of horrible yeah. thing happens, we don't ask someone across the street or down the road, you know, what political affiliation are you or what color are you before I come and help you. It's never happened. That doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why it seems so bad to me except that it's in the news and maybe the 24-hour news cycle and this constancy of our technology it's just making it so in your face. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I just can't stand another second of it. This is so bad we're going to die. Yeah. Um, so, how, you know, what do we do with that? <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of people, myself included, many times feel tremendous fear and feel tremendous powerlessness. And um, I think that's part of I do think that that is part of what's calling us us so strongly to address this because it is so frightening that a presidential candidate could embody some of these extremes of um, the split between masculine and feminine energies. Um, and I know that how, well, I would just say that my this writing that I received from a divine source is what has really helped me deal with this. And that's part of the, one of the biggest reasons why I'm sharing all of this um, is that is that we can see it as the deluge, you know, the final end of the human race, which it could be. We could also see it as a call to embody our greatest soul potential and express it in the world, just as I was talking about earlier. How could I become in my, to the extent that I'm able, which is not godlike, but to the extent that I'm able, how could I be a receptacle for divine love and transmit that through my being to the very best of my ability in the world? And what would that mean? And so I feel like it's a call. It's a call to love. It's a call to that kind of action. When I wrote my first book called The Road Home, A Light in the Darkness, I talked a lot about the darkness that brought me to the place where I actually received this divine transmission. And it was calling out from my own pain and despair and feelings of utter powerlessness to change that, that actually brought this divine voice to me. And I feel that our pain and our suffering and our feelings of powerlessness can also be the call to divine help and guidance for us collectively as a human race. And I think there are many people that are eager and wanting to participate in this in many, many, many different ways. I agree So, Yeah. So I just wanted to bring in here and then please um, go on. Um, I just wanted to go back to the image of the pearl and the sand, which was the symbol that I was given for this transformative process. This, and what my divine, divine voice said is that the process of evolution takes place 
through a life form meeting a great resistance. And in the face of that resistance, it has to change and adapt in order to survive. And we know that on a physiological level from the study of um, our biological evolution. And what they're saying is that that is also the principle for the evolution of consciousness, that we are in a process of trying to evolve out of ego consciousness into soul consciousness. And the sand is all that ego resistance to that evolutionary process that we symbolically are trying to coat with pearls of soul consciousness, with our own divine love and and wisdom to whatever extent we can embody and share that in the world. And I think that's a really powerful symbol for what I feel called to, and I think many, many, many people feel called to right now. So the good thing then is when you look at sand, even in terms of duality, as a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, sand can be an irritant, but without right. the sand, we we get no pearl. Exactly. So isn't, isn't that interesting? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, and, th- and that's actually what they say we came here as human beings to do. That we came here to evolve soul consciousness out of the sand of ego consciousness. And we seem to be at a very peak time in history for the, that necessity of evolution to take place. Well, when you said life form facing a great resistance, and that's the resistance is the sand, right? Yeah. Well, I will tell you that there is a lot of sand right now. A lot of it. I agree. And and it's agree. internal it's internal sand because some of us have our our emotions are uh, you know, they they they're not working with us, let's put it that way, or we're not working with them. So we end up with with all kinds of um angst and upset and drama and trauma and all that, you know, because we're not sure what what to do with our emotions. And then we have the outside forces that are um, just about as haywire as I've ever seen. And, you know, to to be in that space where you can create the pearl and, and be happy about it and realize that this is good this is a good thing. I keep saying this is a good thing. I don't know. It's it's um it's a challenge. Well, I think you brought up a really good point that I was going to move into a little bit later on, and that is that not really talking just about what's happening on the world scene. This is what's happening in people's daily lives. Um I'm you know, I'm a psychotherapist by profession and People share with me every day the pain of their personal lives and the disruption in their personal relationships and the struggles to balance masculine assertion and feminine receptivity within themselves, in their marriages, in their workspaces, with their friends. Um, This is a, a global issue on all levels. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I don't mean to imply that it's only um, an international issue, but the international is a reflection of what happens on the personal interpsychic and interpersonal level. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 
it does. So what's going on at our own cellular level and using cellular level and, and emotional level, to, you know, because I think our emotions are at the cellular level in many ways. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, what's happening there is is the microcosm of what's happening in our community, well, our families, our communities, and then the world. Um, so the road home starts on the cellular level, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It starts inside us, which probably every main spiritual practice says. And even in psychology, you know, we say the same thing, that it starts with our own personal transformation and ripples out from there. And so, you know, in one sense you could say we're really being called to our own personal transformation if we want anything to ripple out. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so my soul consciousness, my personal soul evolution and the resistance to sand and the sand, the uh, pearl formation and all of that is all I have really, I have control over that more than I have control over all these other forces that we're talking about. And so my transformation and then your transformation and then our neighbor's transformations and all the people that are becoming more and more aware of themselves and, and the power of all of that is pretty remarkable when you have a yeah. lot of people becoming aware at the same time. Yeah. And that's and why not they, just aware, go ahead, but deciding go ahead. to do, not just aware, but deciding to do something. I was going to say that. So go ahead. Right. No, absolutely. And that's why one of the biggest, then there's so many big messages in what I received, but one of the big messages is we're all in this together. It's not just about me. It's really about us. And it's critical that um, that I know that for myself, that it's not just about me living a happy life. It's, it's about all of us here together and what each one of us has to contribute and how we can be a support to each one of us contributing the best from our souls. Right. So I just I want to uh, reemphasize at this point that they're saying that everything that's happening within us individually in our personal lives and on the whole global international scene is lawful. It's what we came here to take on and transform. They're not saying that women are right and men are wrong or the feminine energies are better than the masculine or that men are to blame. They're not saying that. What they're saying is that this extreme split of the masculine and feminine is a condition of our ego consciousness. And the extremes to which the law of duality are playing out in our ego consciousness today are calling us all to the need to come back together. Um, that That the masculine is just as valuable as the feminine and that we need to reunite with one another to continue life for all of us physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. Do you want to add anything? Well, I was just going to say, we all have the masculine and feminine within ourselves, correct? So it's not just male, female, right? It's 
it's right. And maybe that's another thing that I, I had never really understood for many years. People talk about the feminine, and I have several people in my life who are working in that realm, you know, talking about the feminine, the feminine rising, um, mm-hmm. the feminine this and that. The other thing, and I kept thinking, what, what are you talking about, the feminine? You know, putting a big the in the front of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't really track for me because that's not my path. That's, you know, I, I'm a, um, maybe more... Um, I don't know. That seems esoteric to me. And this, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. much more the opposite of that in some ways. Meaning, and other times, meaning what? Well, what, what, I'm not sure what you mean. Meaning, I didn't, I didn't know that there was such a thing as the feminine and the masculine. Oh. Okay. And yeah, it, it seemed, um, frankly, odd. But now, as you and I have talked about it so much, I realize what we're talking about, and it is. Um, the masculine and feminine energies, and right. they are in everything. Right. They're in everyone, male or female, heterosexual or gay, but they're not necessarily in balance, and they're not necessarily in union, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And we all know people who are much more nurturing and receptive than they are active or protective, and we know people who are much more active and even dominating and less receptive. Um, and we all have our own variation. Some people are, you know, kind of suppressed in both areas. So that's the internal work is finding a really um, enlivened balance of those two energies. Well, the other thing we do is we find other people, attract other people who perhaps are a balancing element to some of what we may have less of in our personality or, or in our, what we exhibit or I don't even know how to say it. it, it it's not really in your personality, is it? Well, I think what you're words, saying is, is that, that we tend imbalance? to attract the, I think we tend to attract the opposite sometimes. So someone who really doesn't um, have a lot of assertive active energy might be attracted to people who do. Mm-hmm. And the unconscious or conscious hope might be to absorb some of that, or vice versa. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and you see couples that are quite different from one another that are just like, wow, how did this happen? But right. they get along very right. well, and they they probably create the exact yin yang thing, you know, to to get that balance in a lot of ways, um, and then. Once you've been with somebody for a long time, some of what they have rubs off on you and vice versa anyway. So hopefully the good stuff. Right, and what what I would say as a, as a psychotherapist and having worked with couples for a long time um, and also from my own personal experience is that very often that opposites attracting ends up causing great conflict, even though mm-hmm. that is the attraction. Once with a person who's much more assertive um, than than you are might lead to a lot of conflict if you can't embody some equal balance of assertion yourself. And I see that a lot with couples, that the very things that attract us become the arenas for conflict. All right, so let's talk about the arenas for conflict, unless you've got another place to go here with this, because... Arenas for conflict is exactly what we're talking about in the world, right? Domination and right. submission and, right. and and that 
um, one one entity, and sometimes, and now we're talking about maybe a country or a ruler or a ruling class over other people. And that whole domination and submission thing is, is a big part of what you're talking about, your work. Right. But I'm not sure exactly what your question was. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and go where okay. you wanted to go. Okay. <laughs> I think I actually think where I want to go uh, maybe addresses, I think, what you were trying to bring up there. Um, what I was going to say was that I think it's really interesting um, that there's such a divide between what we know psychologically. And when I say we, I know it's not everyone. I know that I work in the field of psychotherapy and I'm familiar with psychological dynamics both within a person and in human relations because that's what I deal with all day, every day. Um, But I'm not the only person who knows about psychology and certainly it's um, a well-studied subject on, you know, on a much larger level than it used to be. And I... I find it surprising that there's such a gap between what we know works in human relationships, like in our offices, and what's playing out on the world stage. That, I mean, we know from the work we do with people, more or less, that the things that hurt people the most um, are different different um, experiences of domination and suppression. When people are overpowered by the people they love or the people they depend on, whether it's by overt abuse or by shame or judgment or intimidation or withholding or abandonment, um, we know those things hurt people and we know, we never suggest when we're working with people, whether we're working with a couple or a family we never suggest that they fight it out or that one person should just submit or be silent. We never say here, at least in the United States, um, at least not in the psychotherapy office, we don't say that women are less than men. We don't consider shame and blame and judgment as a way to heal any kind of inner wound or relationship wound. We don't tell people that they should just put up with abuse or harassment. We don't suggest also, we don't suggest that they rage or be violent when they're angry or don't get what they want. We never advocate domination and suppression in our personal human relationships. Um, Instead, what we advocate and what we see actually works is to help create empathy and to help people listen and cooperate and We also really help people stand up for themselves when they need to, powerfully, but not violently. And we also help people leave relationships that are destructive or don't serve them, but leave them as peacefully as possible. And yet, that is not what is played out on the world scene at all. And we know it doesn't work in in individual relationships, so there's no way it could work on a national or international level. And yet that gap doesn't seem to be really addressed. And I find that fascinating. Um, do you want to say anything there about that? Well, I have a maybe a contrarian uh, view of religion comes to mind. Okay. Because I feel like in a lot of religious settings, um, the opposite of what you just said 
that you would tell someone in a psychotherapy or or um, counseling setting, I think the opposite is happening in some religions. Um, even to the point of, um, you know, who's in charge of the household, and mm-hmm. and who makes who makes the rules, and who gets the bigger piece of bread, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so, so it's not surprising to me that it's not working on the world stage because what you and I know would be uh, a better way, and what is you know, taught in counseling and and put forth is not what's going on out there. Right. It's not. It's not, it's not happening and in I families. Think, it's not happening in religion. Right. It's not happening anywhere. It's not happening economically. Um, no, for sure. No, and I, I agree. And I think that's that's further evidence of why it's so important to understand the power with which duality is playing out. Um, in so many of those religions, and not certainly not in all, um, but in so many of those religions, the belief in good and evil and that being the justification for violence or repression um, or inequality is really powerful. It is. And we can also see how much violence it leads to, how many people are slaughtered in the name of someone else's God. Yeah, all you have to talk about is the Crusades for a few minutes, and you, <laughs> you realize that was... Talk, talk about what? <laughs> the Crusades, right. The Crusades, exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, there's amazing evidence for the power of duality in all realms. And what my writing is trying to express is that they culminate all that belief in good and evil and have and have not and the desire for more and more righteousness or more wealth or more land or whatever culminates in domination and submission. And that's the the trance or uh, part of the trance of ego that they say we're trying to wake up from and we're being called to wake up from because we're at such a critical point in our ability to continue as a race, as a species. I don't you know, know how to emphasize even... that stronger. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I was just thinking about the, the presence of... Um, violence in the home, um, domestic yeah. violence between yeah. domestic partners and marriages and so forth. Um, years ago, and I'm talking about in the early 90s, I began my own work in the prevention of domestic violence realm as mm-hmm. a volunteer for, for 20 years. I, I worked really, really hard. I I spoke on the subject. I did fundraisers with other women. You know, I just a lot of uh, work on that. And, and I, yeah. I am a survivor. I'm a survivor in two different marriages, actually, of domestic wow. abuse. And yeah. um, one was a physical situation. The other one was, was mental, which they're both awful. And, um, and I thought back then, I thought, okay, so we're going to do this work. We're all going to work really, really hard. It was, it was thousands of women doing this. You know, all yeah. focused on this thing, and it's just as bad or worse as it ever was. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's yeah. a, that's a very good 
just using that as one example, you know, yes, we, we, are awake, we are awakening, but gosh, it sure is taking a long time and and how did we you know, how do we get out of this kind of yeah <laughs> so. yeah i mean it can feel totally overwhelming and i agree and again as a psychotherapist i work with so many people more than you would imagine who have sexual or physical or severe emotional abuse in their childhoods and it has devastating long lasting effects on people mm-hmm. and so when, and so I totally agree that it is rampant. Um, and if you think about, and this is sort of the scale that my mind jumps to, if we're just, you know, wantonly bombing other people across the world, we have a whole population somewhere out there that has post-traumatic stress disorder of people who are not thriving, who are not um surviving that kind of uh, onslaught with any kind of mental and emotional stability because they can't. And so we're creating a world filled with post-traumatic stress. And what would we expect out of that? Right. So the microcosm of the family in which there's domestic violence and the macrocosm of our world are the same. Mm-hmm. In my mind. Well, and then you have, and I know you you talk about this too. You have the the concept of of rape, and and then raping of the earth. You know what's happening to our actual right. environment is another bombing, if you will, and and the the earth is getting post traumatic stress, post traumatic right. stress syndrome. Right. Right. Um, from from all that we are doing to abuse the earth, it's 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 quite amazing. And yet you say, and they say, they with a capital T, right. um, that we were that, that we signed up for this as our job right now to to mm-hmm. heal this. Yeah. I, I so, think that's a pretty overwhelming so concept in itself. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so we're soldiers in this, in this, and I, and I don't mean soldiers as as a um, a pejorative like oh god you know war. I mean right. Right. What, what else? Warriors. Let's call it warriors. I love the idea right. of being a warrior. And yeah. um, okay, so you know we are healing self and other and the earth. Absolutely. That's our job. That's our job. Well, that's, that's our job. Cool, that's a cool job. That's a great job. It's a wonderful job, um, especially if you can hold that in the midst of, of what the pain and suffering is, both in our own lives and in the world. And it's work to do that. Um, I, I think it's a lot of work. For me, I go, I can go to that place of, great fear and despair and I really try to pull myself back to okay what can I do who can I be in the face of it and it might be doing this radio show as one thing but it's also who can I be in my daily life 
who can I be if I'm acting dominating with my husband or not as kind as I want to be with someone? How can I pull back and find that balance within myself of um, assertion and receptivity? I think it, it it's on all levels. Mm-hmm. You don't have, and I, I don't have to be a Mother Teresa to be a warrior in this in this great maybe greatest of all. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say battle, <laughs> but well, I, I like to call it a job, and and the reason yeah. I'm calling it that is because it is work, and yet it is just as any great endeavor that you just really love what you've chosen and it's got your passion yeah. in it and it's got your yeah. your skill sets uh in other words my my way of doing my job here this job we're talking about of healing self other and earth and i like that i like that as a, as a thing um mm. and that's what this maybe that's what this this um this radio show really is about is how we can better do our job of healing self other and earth and what I've told you before is that I like the idea that I personally, Deborah, me, shine the light on my path and others' path in a way that helps them express themselves, you know, um, kind, of, yeah. kind of what we're doing right now. We're, we're, we're right. learning, you and I, to express and, and share and, and make a space for the other to speak. I mean, there's a there's a nice dance that you and I do, and and this is this can be modeled by other people in in how they are with one another. You know, we're we're, we're careful, we're you know respectful, and right. and we care and we appreciate. Right? There's a lot going on here that's not just talking. Right. Uh, I totally cool? agree with you. Right. And you've made that space for me. Um, so that's one aspect of it. You know, of you being in your light or your calling has made a space for me as another human being. And, of course, you know I so appreciate that. Right. So I think what we're saying is we're doing our job. You're writing your books. You're speaking. You are doing this radio show. Um, You have your art that you do. You know, and it's all around this expression of the great resistance, facing the great resistance, making pearls, all of that, you know, that, that no one else can do because you're the only one right now that, that has this information this way to share mm-hmm. with us. So mm-hmm. how special are you <laughs> to, to go ahead and do it, to really, to just go ahead and do it? Because it's not easy. Well, it? let me just say that, you know, just to go back to the sand and the pearl, it isn't easy. Um, I have a lot of resistance in myself. And that's part of what the irritation is inside of my own psyche to cope. Um, and I think we all have that. I think, I mean, I know so many people, and I would imagine you do too, who um, what they're most inspired to contribute and create and do in the world also causes them the greatest self-doubt or fear or resistance. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. And and frankly, artists, authors, I think authors and artists are the same. Um, oh, my goodness. They, they, we are so afraid of other people and their thoughts and their criticisms and their judgments right. and all that stuff right. that we right. depress ourselves 
So really, that's going right back around to what we were just talking about, right? So we exactly. let something else dominate exactly, um, and, and put a, a thumb down on the, the most beautiful of expression sometimes. Right. And it was for a reason that's internal. It was, it was not necessarily anybody that was going to have any power over us at all. Have you ever noticed that? Right. You, you right. think that's what's going to happen, but it's not. Right. I think people are going to judge or criticize, and in actuality, you have no idea. Exactly. And if they do criticize, then they can be invited to do their own big job in the world and tell us what it is, because probably they're not doing a darn thing. That was just Well, the other thing is, even if they're really critical and outspoken about it, that's part of my sand. Mm, that's right. Good point. I mean, I don't think any one of us can expect that everybody's going to love what we do or say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Ay, ay, ay. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> so maybe well, just as say, a way yeah. of... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, whenever I say, ay, 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 it's usually because I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is it's a big job. You know, it's but it's not one that I'm not willing to be party to, right? And I think that's right. the good thing is we can say, yeah, it's it's daunting, but it's not it's not overwhelming to the point where I'm not going to play, right? Because as the other and thing, the more that, I like, know, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You're, you're fine. Well, and the more I know about what I'm playing with and how I can play, the more I can feel excited to participate in that. And not so overwhelmed. And that's part. That's a lot of what you know. I have to share on, on, in a big panorama of why I'm doing these radio shows with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. The only other thing is when we, every time we talk about good and bad right and wrong, light and dark. So often we put the the feminine first. But mm-hmm. when we talk about but when we talk about war and peace, I think we almost always put the masculine first. That's interesting. What do you make of that? I don't know. I just I noticed it when we started the conversation about 45 minutes ago. Oh. And I don't know what I think of that, but I think it's something that might be fun to let people just think about for the next week. Like, what do you think that means? Mm. Okay. Yin and yang. Yeah, yin and yang, I think, is is the feminine and um, even up and down. I mean, I don't know, up and down. Isn't that funny that I would, that I would, think that up is uh is feminine. <laughs> well, I think when you're when you're talking about duality, something is always going to come first and something is always going to come second. And so maybe they change places, but um maybe just to try to imagine what the, a total union might feel like even if we don't have a picture of it. But you know, the yin and yang symbol is all within one circle. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a good one. I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. So what does the union look like? 
if if everything mm-hmm. comes together as one vibration, what does that look like? Yeah. Ooh. And I don't say that I know, but what I feel like I'm being pointed toward is on in terms of that one vibration we were talking about earlier of embodying some consciousness that both receives and transmits the most divine vibration I'm capable of. Right. So for me, I think it might have to do with light. It might have Mm -hmm. to do with a vibration of light. Mm -hmm. And what's funny about that is light is not really a vibration, is it? Oh, I guess it can be. I guess it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. Um, I'm wondering if, yeah, I'm wondering if we have time for me to end with one quote. Yes, and then after you do that uh, quote, tell us how people can uh, get hold of you or read more about your work. And then thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is just tying back into the masculine-feminine duality. And this is the quote. The evolutionary challenge facing the human race is to reunite the masculine and feminine energies in consciousness. This means the two energies within any given individual, and this is what you and I were talking about, need to come into greater and greater balance, the assertive active with the nurturing receptive. We are not talking only about the relationship between men and women, although that is certainly critical. We are talking about all human relationships, men and women, women and women, men and men. And we are talking about the relationships between groups of individuals and the relationships between individuals and groups and all the other life forms and kingdoms of the earth. All relationships, marriage, partnership, parenting, business, political, educational, religious, economic, environmental, and global. All relationships. In a nutshell, this balance and union of energies begins to look something like a consciousness of equality. So that's where I wanted to end. And a, a consciousness of equality. Okay, let me hold that for a second. A consciousness of equality. I like that. That has a lot of light in it. Mm, thank you. I feel that way too. Thank you. Yes. Okay, so tell people how they can get hold of you. I like that. Thank you. Consciousness um, of equality. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I like um, that. You... Thank you. I'm really glad because I do too. Um, I can be reached through my website, which is www.phyllislevitt, and that's P-H-Y-L-L-I-S-L-E-A-V-I-T-T.com. Um, the first book that I wrote called The Road Home, A Light in the Darkness is available on Amazon. And my second book that I'm Deborah is my editor for Called Into the Fire will be out later this year. Yes, it will. And it's a wonderful book. And I'm looking forward to when we can actually give people a date, time certain, and we're getting close to that. So totally wonderful. Well, thank Thank you so much for our time together. And I always 
leave our call with so many wonderful things that I think about for days. So I appreciate that as as uh, as always. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much. All right. Well, until next time, this has been Light on the Road Home with Deborah and Phyllis, or Phyllis and Deborah, whichever way you want. <laughs> yin and yang. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be your yin and your yang and whatnot. <laughs> and we'll then we'll change places. That's right. Bye bye now. Thank you for joining us for Light on the Road Home, a special production by Deborah Brown and Phyllis Leonard. This show has been a production of the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network. You can find more about the Boomer and the Babe at boomerandthebabe.com.